And then a couple of hours after he was born, they took him back um, for their testing that they do on their heart, mm-hmm. their lungs, and all that blood work. And after a couple hours, they hadn't brought him back. Uh-oh. Which I thought was a little bit odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, after about four hours, we asked the nurse, you know, like, what's going on? Where's our baby? And she said that our pediatrician would be in soon to talk to us. I remember very vividly um, our pediatrician coming in and stating that they had detected a heart defect. Um, That heart defect paired up with Down syndrome. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. Today I'm interviewing a woman who is a wife. She is the mother of three children, her oldest of which has Down syndrome. She is the Mimi of two treasures. She has lived in Northwest Arkansas for most of her life, but has also lived in a small town in North Carolina. She has worked with children throughout her life in capacities ranging from home therapist to autistic specialist in the public school setting, and is now teaching pre-K at a Mother's Day Out. She loves serving in her church and watching her kids do things they love, including soccer, baseball, and Special Olympics. One of her favorite things to do is go to the beach, and she's been able to swim with dolphins and go four-wheeling a couple times with her husband. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Jamie Middlecamp. Jamie, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am ready. Awesome. Well, first of all, I have to say that Jamie and I have a personal connection. She was one of the aides in my children, Nathan and Jacob's autism classroom back when we lived in Northwest Arkansas. And so that is how I know her. And she is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm so excited to have her on today and share, have her share with you a little bit of her experience. So we're going to go back. We're going to turn the timetable back, Jamie, and we're going to go back to when you were 18 years old. (laughs) Uh, just a few days ago (laughs) yes absolutely right (laughs) we still feel like we're 18 don't we (laughs) yeah sometimes awesome so why don't you take us back to when you were 18 and tell us what kind of happened then that was a little bit out of your control and how it changed your life okay so when I was 18 years old I found myself pregnant Um, I was not married at the time, but soon after got married, um, normal pregnancy as far as everything was going well. I was really sick during the pregnancy, but, um, nothing that anybody was concerned about. Mm -hmm. I was a very 
overcautious first time pregnant person, um, ate healthy when I could keep food down, um, <laughs> exercise, drink my water, like awesome. wouldn't even be in a room with somebody who was smoking cause you know, I didn't want to breathe in that smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything was, was going fine. I had several ultrasounds, um, throughout my pregnancy, nothing was ever said, nothing was ever mentioned. Um, and then in February of 1990, I had my first child, um, typical, went to the hospital three or four times thinking I was in labor and they would just send me home. And then finally, like the fifth time, it was the real deal. Um, and so, uh, normal delivery, um, Eight pounds, eight ounce baby boy, 19 inches long. Big guy. Yeah, he was. um, Crying when he came out. Everything was fine. Ah. So did they tell you right then that he had Down syndrome or did they not know yet? They told us that they suspected it, um, that they could not confirm it at the time. This was 29 years ago and Mm -hmm. um, they would need to send the information to Little Rock, to Arkansas Children's Hospital, um, and there a genetics doctor would look at the information. Um, We would later find out that we would follow up several days later um, in Little Rock. And so basically um, our pediatrician said that, you know, here's half the pill you'll probably swallow the other half when you get to children's hospital, which I know he was probably trying to say that in a way that was supposed to be like calming to us. But, um, we were young and we were new parents in the first place. And then now we have this child who is not only sick with a heart defect, but also unknown diagnosis. Um, so walk me through what you were, you were feeling at that moment? Um, I personally was more concerned about the heart issue. Um, we had grown up with some friends who had a baby with Down syndrome. So I was familiar with Down syndrome as far as the diagnosis of that. But being 18 and young Mm -hmm. and 18 year olds didn't have babies with down syndrome. Um, that's what, you know, 40 year olds, 40 year old moms (laughs) had that problem. It was a genetics issue of, you know, older women typically. And so everybody was pretty shocked. Um, even our doctors were very shocked. Um, and just the fact that we had just had an ultrasound like two weeks before his birth to kind of confirm, uh, a more exact due date and you know everything looked fine on the ultrasound as far Mm. as we knew I mean they had they didn't tell us anything was wrong right um so just feeling shocked feeling scared um and then a couple hours after he was born they took him back um for their normal infant newborn um testing that they do on their heart Mm -hmm. and their lungs and all that blood work. And after a couple hours, they hadn't brought him back, Uh which I thought was a little bit odd. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally, after about four hours, we asked the nurse, you know, like, what's going on? Where's our baby? 
And she said that our pediatrician would be in soon to talk to us. Mm. Well, of course, you know, our hearts sank and we were, our minds were going a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. So I remember very vividly um, our pediatrician coming in and stating that they had detected a heart defect um, in our child who, again, came out screaming and crying and, you know, did all the things that he was supposed to do when he was born. Um, So they were going to run some more tests on him and they were going to send all of his information to Arkansas Children's Hospital. Right. So... Four more hours later, we oh, still haven't goodness. seen our child. Seriously, you haven't seen him? Um, oh, my God. So we were just, um, you know, trying to, to be calm and wait and, of course, praying. And um, pediatrician came back in again. This time he did bring our baby back to us. Oh, thank goodness. And um, said that he needed to let us know that our son um did indeed have a heart problem he had several holes in his heart and he did not have a valve connecting his chambers oh wow so i'm sure there's some sort of long (laughs) drawn out (laughs) medical term that i'm supposed to use but i couldn't tell you what it was right now that's okay Um, so anyway um that heart defect paired up with down syndrome you know, it was a lot of guilt um, in the beginning, like, oh, if I wouldn't have done this, even though I knew it was genetic, even though I knew there was nothing I could have done to make Tyler different, um, you know, there was just a lot of mom guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, of course, you know, our families, we all just started praying and, you know, just mm-hmm. asking God to comfort us um, during this time. But still a lot of unknowns. Yeah. Um, And sometimes that's almost harder to live kind of, I guess you would say in limbo, right? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So um, three days later, well, actually they sent him home with us Uh um, with the words that, (laughs) you know, if his lips turn blue, you need to immediately get to the hospital because that means that he's not getting the blood oxygen he needs. And, you know, his blood is not pumping to his heart the way it should because he doesn't have a valve like all these words and I'm like you're really sending me home with this baby oh, like what word. in the world were but, you scared to sleep <laughs> at night seriously oh yes yeah, there was no sleep um oh, but you're gonna go to children's hospital in three days and they're gonna check him out and give you more information on his diagnosis by then they would have a confirmed um down syndrome diagnosis So three days later, we traveled to Little Rock. Um, Of course, we get to Little Rock and they have to do all their, you know, check in blood work and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, we knew he was jaundice. Um, It was February. And basically, they told us, put him in the sun when you can. Um, It's typical, you know, breastfed babies, newborns. And so Mm -hmm. we get to Children's Hospital and... They immediately said, this baby's jaundice. And I said, yes, they knew that when we left. Um, just told us to put him in the sun. Mm-hmm. Well, his jaundice ended up being more of a concern at that time. Um, he wow. was actually under the lights for seven days before 
we could even start with any of the heart stuff or any of the Down syndrome um, genetic testing. So once we got through that hurdle, so what was supposed to be a day trip to Children's Hospital ended up being a like three week (laughs) stay. um, Oh my word. Which again, one of those things. Wow. Kind of a, not kind of, I am um, very type A. I like to like have a plan and I like (laughs) to have things in order and pretty much, um, you know, everybody tells you when your children are born, like you have no control over anything like they Uh totally, well, not only did that happen, but then nothing was in my control (laughs) at that point. Um, You and me both, girlfriend, I'm the same way. It's funny. (laughs) We both have special needs kids. Maybe God's trying to teach you something. (laughs) I was going to say, I think God tried 29 years ago to teach me a lesson and I'm still, (laughs) still trying to learn it. But, um, yep. It takes a lifetime. (laughs) So, um, anyway, we, get the genetics testing back and the genetics doctor pretty much confirmed everything that our pediatrician had told us that Tyler did have um, Down syndrome mm-hmm. and that the testing that they had done um, after he had been under these Billy lights for seven days, basically what they told us is that he would not do anything. He would not we would be lucky if he read his name, that he would never ride a bike, you know, he would never go to public school, normal classrooms, just all these things that he wouldn't do. Um, and so here we are again, like, yeah, we may have swallowed half of that pill when he was born, but it was like a week later and we just been punched in the stomach again. Um, and so we just pretty much, prayed and I basically was like, you're not going to tell me my child's not going to do something. Um, we came home and then we went back and at eight weeks old, Tyler had a major heart surgery and they repaired his heart. And that again was just another time of just seeing, um, how blessed we were even in our scary moment because we met several people. Um, I will never forget one little girl who had down syndrome also Mm -hmm. and was three and had spent all three of her birthdays at Arkansas children's hospital. She had not been in her home for more than a month at a time. Um, she was on her like 17th surgery. Um, so even in, I don't know, our valley, I guess, God was just showing us that, you know, we were going to be okay, he was going to be okay, that we, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm always a half, a glass half full kind of person, and so I just always try to find something good in all the bad, Um, Mm -hmm. and that was, I think, God's way of just showing me, like, yeah, you've got it bad, but you could have it worse. And so, you know, just use what you have and just make the most of it. Um, so we came home, um, Tyler did very well with his heart surgery. Um, we were home within, I think we were there for two months, um, which 
was record timing um, considering the things that he had had done the doctors were very pleased with how he healed and and the things that he was doing so we were able to come home and um as soon as we got home i had been given the name of um benton county sunshine school shortly after tyler's birth and i don't even remember how i got that name i mean it could have been the pediatrician i don't remember but Mm -hmm. um so I decided, okay, I needed to call them, and we needed to see what what their game plan was. Um, now, Benton County Sunshine School is an early intervention uh, school for kiddos for special with special needs, and they also have typical children there as well, mm-hmm. um, so that they can uh, help these kids um, interact with peers that are their same age. And I know this because my boys went there as well. So why don't you keep telling us about what they said once you went to the Benton County Sunshine School. By the way, great place, right? Yes, 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 yes. We still support it to this day because it's just such an amazing facility. Um, So they sent one of their therapists out. Um, She did a home evaluation on Tyler and definitely he qualified um, for their services. Mm -hmm. And so within a couple of weeks... um, we were doing home therapies. They were coming to our house a couple times a week and, um, you know, just working on his tongue thrusting and working on, you know, getting some head control and just things that we could do while he was still recovering from his heart surgery. Um, now, that how was just, old was he at this point? He was about 12 weeks old. So he so was not maybe little. right at three months. Um, wow. Yeah. And they you know, they were super excited to get started because the earlier we could get started, the more successful um, Tyler would be on the other end. So, awesome. um, yeah, so that was super exciting. Um, that actually led to my career choice of working with special needs children that had not been on my radar um, when I graduated from high school, I was actually going to go and be a hairdresser. Mm-hmm. But after getting to work with the um, home therapist in our home, I decided that that was something I wanted to do. And so actually when Tyler was three and went to the Sunshine, to their actual preschool program, I also went to work at the Benton County Sunshine oh. School. Oh, that's awesome. um, as a home therapist and so kind of made a circle and then our daughter who is two years younger than Tyler attended as a typical child there so she did the part that you talked about where they um, have typical children that attend there so she attended as well so kind of was a family affair for us for a while (laughs) um so yeah so we did that um that is fantastic. So having a child with special needs influenced your career choice. That is pretty, pretty amazing. And one of the things I'm just going to pull out from what you said was when your doctor said your child wouldn't do anything, you kind of took that as a challenge. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> now, um, First of all, doctors should never say that to parents. <laughs> because, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Because I don't think they know when children are born how, uh, what they're going to be able to accomplish with their lives. Because I know your son has just 
done amazing things. And I think part of that is because, you know, you as mom weren't going to see this disability as something that held him back. You're going to see it kind of more as a, a stepping stone, maybe in a different direction, but hey, he can do amazing things, right? Right. So one of the things that kind of... Um... I learned from having a child with special needs was the fact that when someone tells you that you can't do something, you just need to prove them wrong. And so (laughs) funny little story about that um, is that that same genetics doctor that sat in that room and told us that our child would never do all of these things um, wanted a one year visit from Tyler, a follow-up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, um, not only did my child walk into that doctor's office. Girl, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So the doctor handed him a ball and he threw the Tyler threw the ball, hit the doctor right in the forehead between the eyes. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, don't ever tell me my child won't do something. And we left and we never went back to that <laughs> genetics doctor. So just kind of the story of Tyler's life um, still is it. very determined determined um that when he wants to do something he's gonna do it and he did go to ride a bike he plays softball he's getting ready to go to the state um special olympics basketball tournament next week um he graduated from high school in bentonville um he's attended college courses at the community college in north carolina when we lived there so just very much um yeah determination and not and I get like you know not every child with down syndrome will function that way mm-hmm. but just to embrace every child's strength like whether whatever it is um is just important as parents whether your child has special needs or not just um you know, finding out what their strength is. Not every child's an athlete, not every child's a musician, but just whatever that strength is and just allowing them to, to embrace that. That is so true. And it's, it's amazing to see them shine, Mm -hmm. you know? And so sometimes you do have to try different, different areas to see, are they good at this? Are they good at this? Are they good at this? And, um, and then all of a sudden you hit some particular area and they are just amazing at it. Um, probably won't surprise you <laughs> that um, Jacob, after you chasing him for years, is a great athlete. <laughs> probably cross country running, huh? Actually, he is in the track team. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, that does uh, not surprise me. <laughs> I know. I know. We both have chased him. We know. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, this is, I, I love that this lesson is applicable across the board with any child. And I think we, even as adults, we each have different unique gifts and talents and we need to figure out what those are and, and not be afraid to let those things that we're good at shine and then not compare our weaknesses to somebody else's strengths. Because I think we often do that, especially in the world of social media today, you know? (laughs) Yes, yes. Agree. So that is awesome. So we have a couple lessons then that you've shared a little bit so far. The first one you kind of mentioned was letting God have the control. Um, Can you 
walk me through what your prayers probably sounded like right after you found out your son had a heart issue and after you found out he had Down syndrome. You said you prayed through it. So what did those prayers sound like? Um, well, one of the things that I kind of have learned throughout my prayer life um, was to always start with thanks. Um, mm-hmm. So thanking God for something before you ask for something. Yes. And um, so pretty much I was just thanking him for Tyler's birth weight. Um, the doctors had said had he not been eight pounds, eight ounces, um, that he probably would not have survived. His heart would not have been strong enough to survive um, a vaginal birth. And so just thanking him for that, um, thanking him for Tyler's life and just asking him to help me, help us to be the best parents that we could be. Um, You know, we had a good team of doctors And so we had a good support system with our family um, and really just asking God to guide us because, one, we were new parents, which, I mean, I kind of had always loved children. So the whole kid thing didn't scare me. But, I mean, when they're yours and you're responsible for them, it's a little bit different. Um, Basically just asking God to just guide us and, and to help us to be the best parents we could be and to just, you know, get Tyler through this and to show us what he wanted to do. You know, he gave us this child. Now what? So um, he has used Tyler over the years in many situations. Um, I was very much an advocate of him being in a public classroom, public school classroom setting. Um, And I had to pretty much fight tooth and nail to get that to happen. But um, we Mm -hmm. did. And he ended up just being such a huge blessing to so many teachers. Um, Even to this day, they, you know, will message me and tell me, you know, just how thankful they are that he was in their class, um, just taught them how to be more patient and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's one of the lessons I've learned, too, is I think these special needs kids are here to help us become better people as their parents, as their teachers, as anyone they rub shoulders with. It seems they um, have that amazing ability to um, teach us things I don't think we would have learned any other way. Would you agree? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes. You have given us a lot of great lessons that you've learned so far, like letting go and letting God um, be in control, basically, and then don't let anyone tell you you can't do something, especially with a special needs child. Uh, You can prove them wrong. Are there any other lessons you learned during your hard time? Um, One of the things I learned early on, um, and this comes from a Bible study, uh, one of my favorite authors is Lisa Turkhurst, and she did a Bible study called Unglued, and one of my quotes that I, especially now I have a 12-year-old, so (laughs) preteen, is bad moments don't make bad mamas, and I, like, that's my life quote, because, you know, I mean, 
when we're doing this mom thing or this parent thing, you know, we're going to screw up too. And so it's Mm -hmm. just knowing that I'm going to have a bad moment, but that doesn't make me a bad mom. Um, I love that. It's such an awesome (laughs) quote. I think I'm going to print it and stick it on my, my wall. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. But what a powerful thing. We're all going to make mistakes and these bad moments don't make us bad mamas. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. So great. We will for sure reference Lisa Turkhurst in the show notes so that anybody else who wants to listen to her Bible study unglued can can find her. That would be awesome. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to have Jamie tell us the advice she gave to other parents when they found out their child was diagnosed with Down syndrome. How many of you out there feel like your life is chaotic, crazy, and completely awful compared to the norm? What if I were to tell you that you are normal for you? I am so excited to announce that my book, Normal For Me by Tamara K. Anderson, will be released April of 2019 to celebrate Autism Awareness Month. This book took me 10 years to write, and I share 20 years worth of lessons learned in my life detours, including being in a car accident and having two of my children diagnosed on the autism spectrum. In this book, I share the secrets of how I made it from despair to peace with God's help. I invite you to check out my website, TamaraKAnderson.com, and sign up for my twice a month newsletter. Doing this was going to give you the inside scoop on how you can get a free electronic copy of my book during the month of April. So sign up today and hope on. And we're back. This is Tamara K. Anderson interviewing Jamie Middlecamp. A little bit about being the parent of a child with Down syndrome. You told me before that um, you have had the opportunity to speak to several parents through the years of that have just found out that their child has Down syndrome, whether through ultrasound or just being born. Would you mind sharing with us um, what you tell people? about these amazing kiddos with Down syndrome? What do you say to these parents? So probably when Tyler was probably about three, I got my first phone call um, to speak to a family who had just found out uh, via ultrasound that their child was most likely going to have Down syndrome when it was born. And it's really hard to articulate into words um, just the love that these kids have and just their joy for life. Mm. Um, is it easy? No, but I wouldn't say raising my typical children has been any easier than raising Tyler. He was the most laid back kid, went with the flow, you know, he just, mm-hmm. and so just trying to, to get that through to them that, you know, yeah, the doctors are going to tell you, like us, all the negative things and all the, you know, things Mm -hmm. that the the hard things and the things that aren't going to happen. And then I go on to tell them the story about Tyler, um, walking into his genetics doctor's (laughs) office, um, 
and just, you know, if they're local, encouraging them to get involved with um, either the Sunshine School or, you know, there's several other options in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and and then I've visited um, families, you know, in the hospital. And, and sometimes that's an easy thing to do. And sometimes it's not because sometimes they're just not ready to hear um, mm. what you have to say, but just seeing Tyler and just seeing how, you know, he would walk and could talk and carry on a conversation. Um, so you would know, you take him with you when you went? I did when he, yeah, when he was older and if I would go visit families, I would take him with me and, and let them see. And now that he's older, um, you know, I still come across young families and, you know, they just see him and will stop me and be like, oh, my gosh, we're just, you know, so impressed with the conversation that he can carry on or, mm-hmm. you know, and and I don't I mean, I really don't take any credit for that. First of all, mm-hmm. you know, God is good. And second of all, I just believe that the Sunshine School laid such a solid foundation for us. Um, his home therapist is actually still a very dear friend of ours. She um, actually just turned 92 years old oh, and wow. is still very involved in the Sunshine School. And, um, That's you know, awesome. I just think that that was just such a crucial, crucial thing for us. Um, just because I was a new parent, like I wouldn't have known that I needed to teach him sign language to communicate. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I went on to teach my other children that. And, you know, I mean, they didn't need it, but communication was such a key to not throwing a fit and not, you know, Mm -hmm. biting because they wanted something. And and still to this day, you know, it's it's very important um, for parents to understand that if their child's able to do that. And then that's just where it's kind of hard because... Again, not all children. I mean, I know you see it with your two in your own home, you know, not all children with the same diagnosis are going to function at the same level. And so, yes, um, but just seeing that potential, you know, um, that it could be this. I mean, our pediatrician said to us, I think Tyler was a week old, um, maybe it was in the hospital, I don't remember, but he said, you know, you can take a perfectly normal child and not love them and not give them attention and not nurture them. And they're going to have a learning disability. He said, or you can take this child that you've been given and you can love him and you can nurture him and he's going to be the best that he can be. And so, you know, that's just something that, you know, has kind of always stuck with me too, that, you know, um, when we love them and nurture them, they're going to grow just like a flower, you know? Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you had at least a couple of doctors that were wise and gave you some good advice, Yes. you know, yes. to, to love them, to nurture them and help them reach their greatest potential. And it is amazing what they can do. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yep. yep. That is awesome. Oh, well, what a blessing that you were able to help these um, families um, hopefully see that it's not all overwhelming. Well, it is overwhelming when you get a diagnosis. And I can I can see what you're saying about people maybe not being ready to hear it mm-hmm. when you tell them right after they find out. I remember when Nathan was first diagnosed, I 
was completely overwhelmed. I, I don't think much sunk in after they told us the diagnosis. Honestly, I had to go home. Well, I cried the whole drive home from Little yeah. Rock, honestly. But, um, <laughs> and I had to go through the grieving process for the child that I had expected in my brain that was totally yeah. normal that I would yeah. never raise. Um, and so sometimes, I guess if you have a child that's been diagnosed with Down syndrome and you're still processing and you've had those expectations shattered, it's okay to grieve them. Yep. Um, it's totally normal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but then once you get to the point where you go through the grief process, and anger is a normal part of that too. I'm just going to tell you now because yeah. I went through an angry phase. Yeah. Um, then once you get through and you're okay with that, then just keep doing your best and, and, and teaching these kiddos the best you can love them the best you can get them help. That's the beautiful thing. I think Jamie about living today versus, you know, a hundred years ago, they didn't know what to do with these kids right? and they didn't right. have the resources to help them with open heart surgery either. But, yes. um, there's so much available, so much therapy available through earlier intervention programs, this is not a journey you should feel you ever have to take alone. Ever. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, never. Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. And see, here I am calling Jamie. How many years later after we moved from Arkansas? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> and I still love this woman with all my heart. <laughs> uh, so you, you make good friendships <laughs> with these people that are kind of your village that help you raise your child. And it's a good thing, right? <laughs> yes, yes. That is awesome. So take heart. You can do it. As an educator, you've worked in the public school system. Mm -hmm. And as a special needs mama, you said that you've cried through some IEPs. What advice would you give to mamas and daddies as they go into IEPs that are particularly hard? By the way, an IEP, if you don't know what that is, it's an individualized education plan, and it's kind of the legal document that uh, public school systems use with parents and teachers. They kind of draw it up for each um, child with special needs, setting goals for them, and it kind of outlines what they will do to accommodate that child in the classroom setting. So um, what advice would you give to these moms and dads about going into the IEP setting? Oh, gosh. Because you've seen it from both sides. <laughs> I have. I have. Um, well, this is probably one of those things that I have told parents in the beginning is you will forever be your child's voice. Um you will be their number one fan, their biggest advocate. So, and this is really hard. And probably had I not had the, um, like not worked with special needs children when Tyler was younger, I know going into the public school setting, I probably would have freaked out. Mm. But um, for you parents that don't have that opportunity, go in there and do not be afraid. Um, it's a scary thing. It's usually a big table. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're usually at one end and everybody else is usually at the other. Mm -hmm. um, but just be bold and let your 
wants and your child's needs be known. Um, I remember uh, Tyler's first IEP meeting in public school and they wanted to label him mentally retarded. And I said, that's not his diagnosis. He has Down syndrome. Well, we know, but his um, IQ score, you know, coordinates with this. Mm -hmm. And we would get more money if we had that label. And I said, well, I guess you're not getting money from my child because I will not sign this with that (laughs) label on there. I mean, the principal was a friend of mine because I had known her and she was just like looking at me and I was like, I'm not doing it. And I didn't, I didn't sign it because they wouldn't change it. And so, I mean, if they can't, they can be so scary and so overwhelming and so intimidating, but just know that as a parent, you have rights and know your rights and know and you don't have child. to sign that document if you don't agree with it. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you don't. <laughs> and if you don't agree with anything, you you know, it can be changed. And, you know, they fought me on getting Tyler a one-on-one aid and they said, no, he just needs to go to the inclusive, you know, the self-contained classroom. And I said, no, he's going to have a one-on-one and he's going to be in that kindergarten class with the rest of those kids. <laughs> and I mean, we butted heads for a while, but he finally got his one-on-one. So I guess just... I understand. Like, I get that it's scary and it's intimidating, but it's just so important um, that you just know your rights and know that your child um, has rights too. So that's awesome. I know one of the things I've I've always done is I've always requested the IEP draft before I hit the 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 battle yes. battle room i don't know if you want to call it that or not it's not always been a battle room but um sometimes we've done really good and other times we have had butted um quite a lot um and so i think if you go into it knowing what they're trying to propose and you kind of understand so that you know the carpet's not yanked out of you right there and you have what i didn't hear about this you're trying to do what you know so (laughs) i think if you know beforehand what's going on that is helpful so i always email the teacher and say i need the iep draft by three days before the iep so i can read through it and um look at it because i think that helps you understand where they're coming from then i can email questions or talk to the teacher individually if i don't agree with something and you know i'll say i i don't agree with this you know i think it needs to be changed so i love that i love that you were your son's advocate and um and it is scary it sometimes helps i don't know if you ever brought somebody with you did you ever no no, I just, it was usually just me. You just put on your football <laughs> helmet and went in, huh? Yeah, just put on that rhino skin and just went in there. And... Oh, my word. Yeah. I have actually taken people with me. If it's a particularly bad thing, I'll take my husband with me. But I've also taken other people in with me um, if he wasn't available just to have somebody on my side of the table. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's definitely very wise. Um I guess I just always (laughs) hard-headed and knew that it was, you know, not going to help to have somebody else there, or I guess it wasn't going to change anything for me, but no, if you're feeling feeling the need, you definitely have the right to take 
as many people as you need to yeah. <laughs> to get your point across. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, perfect. I'm so glad we covered this. Are there any other tips you want to share before we finish things off? We went on to have um, a, more children. We had a daughter. Um, she was born two years and one month later after Tyler. And, you know, the one thing that probably drove me the most crazy being pregnant after Tyler was my doctors going on and on and on about all the testing that needed to be done and all the monitoring and, mm. you know, you, you have to do this. And I was just like, you know what, if God chooses to give me another child with special needs, then that's just what it's going to be. Like all mm. these tests that you're wanting me to do are not going to change my mind. They're not going to change the outcome of this pregnancy. Um, even more so when I chose to have my third child at 35, mm. um, you would have thought that they thought I had lost my mind. Like, <laughs> you had a child with Down syndrome at 18 and you're wanting to be pregnant at 35. But, um, you know, just don't be afraid um, to, to have more children if that's, you know, I mean, that might not even be an option. But, you know, Bailey has just been... She was just always, even the little sister, she was always the big sister. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, we never told her until, I mean, she was probably 15 or 16 before we told her, like, this is your brother's diagnosis, just because we never treated him any differently. And we didn't want her to treat him differently um, than she would have treated him and, and she may not have, but I guess what I'm trying to say is just as siblings, just to help them, to include them, um, but not to make them feel any different. Um, yeah. I don't know, as an adult, you know, she's married and has her own kids now. And, and I sat down and said, you know, did I ever put too much pressure on you as his sister? Did I ever, you know, mm -hmm. and, and she said, no, mom, you did fine. So, you know, that kind of was always in the back of my mind, like, did I expect more of her because he, you know, picking up the slack, but mm -hmm. I tried not to, I tried to, you know, like not depend on her too much. And, and so I think that's an important piece too. And I know you understand that having your older and younger one um, yeah. on the other ends of your two. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what? I think it makes our typical kids so much more loving and sensitive to the special needs population. It, I mean, my kids aren't afraid of kids with special needs at all. Oh, yeah. At no, all. No, no. <laughs> and I think, you know, one of the things Bailey actually would get in trouble for was like being the mother hen in the classroom. But I think it just <laughs> is such a natural thing. Like she mm -hmm. just was always used to like helping. And so she just she would always like cling to the kids that, you know, she knew needed help. And actually my twelve year old when he was in second grade, um just took to this little kid who um was severely ADHD and I just remember the teacher coming to me one day and and he had gotten to pick a friend for lunch for something and she goes you know he could have picked anybody in this class but he chose this child Aww. and the teacher was kind of like baffled by it because this child was always in trouble and in silent lunch all the time and I looked at her and I said you know why he chose him I said because he sees that every other day he's in silent lunch because he's in trouble I said he chose him because he sees the good in him like mm -hmm. <laughs> you know and it's just 
it's I think you're right. Like it just makes them their hearts are bigger and they just see kids differently um, in general. So it's awesome. It's a good thing. It really is. Yes. So do you have a favorite Bible verse that has become meaningful to you through all of this learning and growing? Yes. Um, so Jeremiah 29, 11 is kind of my life verse. Um, of course awesome. I have several, but that's just the one that I just feel like I can cling to. And it says, um, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And, you know, I just kind of have always prayed that, um, God knows Tyler's future. Um, even now that he's 29 years old and, and I, I mean, he may is probably going to outlive me, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Like you said, with modern mm-hmm. medicine and modern technology, um, he's doing great. And so, but God knows his plans, even when I don't, even when I fear for his future, um, that my hope is in the Lord and that I know that he does not, um, you know, he doesn't have plans for evil. His, his plans are to prosper us. That is Um, awesome. And so, yeah, that's just kind of my, (laughs) my go-to. That is such a powerful, powerful verse. No, and it's awesome when you find these verses because they just speak to your heart and you know that God is aware of you. He's aware of your situation. He's got his eye on you. He's got his eye on your kids. And um, it's it's a peaceful feeling for those of us who like to be in control to know that even though we might not have it under control, he does, right? That's right. That's right. And I think just um, to give you a future and a hope, I mean, there are so many times when you feel so hopeless or so helpless. Um, and when we let go and let God guess what? (laughs) It all usually works out. Yes, Um, ma'am. And and again, it's not always easy. It hasn't. I mean, I have cried. I have sat in IEP meetings and bawled my eyes out when they told me, you know, oh, your child's not doing what we expected him to do. Or, you know, he's Mm -hmm. at a three-year-old mentality level or, you know, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I just, it doesn't matter because he's doing more than the doctor told me he would ever do mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> so, you know, so what, the, but I mean, the kid has a checking account. He has a cell phone. He, you know, I mean, he's doing great things. Um, and that's just all because one, I, I gave him to God as a child. Like I was like, okay, I know he's not mine. I mean, he's mine here on earth, but he really is yours. Yep. And so you're going to have to be in charge of this, you know, whole guiding me to, to raise this child. So, um, it just helps take a little bit of the pressure off of me, I guess, as a mom. Absolutely. <laughs> so, have you can you remember a specific time when you felt God guided you to help your son with something? Probably the hardest season for us. Um, you know, kind of while he was in school, we kind of still had some rain over him and you know, mom was still kind of in control um as far as making decisions. 
but once he turned 18, um, we have not been able to get guardianship of him because he is so high functioning. So Mm. they tell us in the court systems. Mm. Um, So he is his own guardian. And so that's been our biggest challenge um, for him as an adult. He is smart enough to know (laughs) that he should be able to do some things um, that kids his age do. Mm Mm-hmm but not like he, he doesn't drive, um, Mm -hmm. on the roads. My husband takes him out and drives in the country, but (laughs) doesn't drive on his own. Um, but that's probably been where I've just said, okay, God, you know, you've got to help us get through this because, and so Tyler was given the opportunity to attend a community college when we lived in North Carolina a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And he loved that. Like he was with the college kids and he was paired up with, you know, a typical college student who was going into um, like special education, some sort of um, route that way. Mm -hmm. And so they paired them up. And so he would go to regular college classes and then the student would just like work next to him. Um, So God's just opened a lot of doors. He's had a job. Um, He's worked at Pizza Hut. He's worked at the movie theater. And so just as he's gotten to be older, um, I've probably needed God more just because um, I don't feel like I have as much control as I did when he was younger, Mm -hmm. Um, even though I do. But it just feels like he's he needs to have some of the control, but he can't have all of it. So there's just, sometimes there's some head battles that go on. Yeah, Um, I can imagine. (laughs) So I'm sure you, you know, Jacob's right there with him. I'm sure you're going to be fighting some battles. (laughs) Oh yes. I have no doubt. He's still 16 though. So (laughs) we're good. (laughs) Wow. So I can totally see how that would be very, very challenging. And you really probably do just have to tell God, all right, you got to take it. (laughs) You know? Oh, my word. Yes, that is awesome. Are there any websites, books, or um, other resources you would recommend to people who um, are struggling or need help or have a kiddo on the special needs spectrum? Um, well, I am a Google nerd, probably. I know I get a diagnosis at the doctor and I come home and, you know, check every symptom that I'm going to have or the kids. Um, I really don't have a specific website. Um, probably if it's, you know, if you're a newer parent and you are just experiencing this, definitely find some early intervention resources, um, probably public schools could be, you know, a first a start or your pediatrician. Um, yeah, I mean, that would just be my biggest is, is build a tribe, you know, yeah. just find them. If, if you don't have one, just find somebody else who's in the same, you know, it's just amazing to me um, after Tyler was born. And I just remember he was born in February and in July, we had gone to a 4th of July fireworks thing mm-hmm. and he's little, you know, in his little infancy and, seriously three families with children with down syndrome and one of them we like the mom and I just made eye contact and we just connected like just Mm. that whole like 
she knows what I'm, you know, she knows mm-hmm. how I'm feeling and oh my gosh, look at her son running around and, mm-hmm. and we connected and our boys actually, they're like four years apart, but they just became friends and still see each other at special Olympics events. And we, her and I walked a down syndrome walk, walkathon last year. Um, so yeah, once you have a child with a diagnosis, like you're just, they're just going to be like attracted to you, these families, you'll just see them everywhere, it seems Mm -hmm. like. And so just don't be afraid to reach out and say, Hey, I'm new to this. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I need some help. Yeah. And there are so many support groups online um, for any diagnosis, you know, there's special needs support groups, there's specific diagnosis support groups like down syndrome or autism yeah uh, you know both in your local area or in or online if, yeah. if you live remote um so yeah i i totally will back you up on that sister because you need help you need support you need a, a tribe you can turn to when you have questions and I think as you ask your questions and as you go online and google these things that the fear that you have upon diagnosis becomes less as we learn about it. Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Although back when my son was diagnosed, there wasn't, the internet wasn't as big. So, um, (laughs) Oh yeah. 29 years ago. I mean, the internet, that's why I said, you know, for us, it was the early intervention. Now I'm sure it's, you know, the internet's probably a little bit easier, but yeah. Um, that's awesome. just that human interaction though, too. I mean, yes. I don't think it's good for anybody to just kind of hibernate and just, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, you need that grieving process. You need to go through all those emotions, but then you need to be able to connect and, and just get involved and, um, and just, you know, one of the things that I strived to do was, to treat Tyler as normal as possible. And I mm-hmm. knew that wasn't going to look the same as, you know, Johnny down the street, mm-hmm. but I was going to give him every opportunity I could to, to do the things he loves. And he actually, um, was the manager of the, of the junior high and high school basketball team. Um, and his senior year of high school, the, the coach put him in <gasps> to play oh. the very last game of the season. And girl, let me tell you, there was not a dry eye in that basketball gymnasium. Both teams, we were playing our biggest rival um, (laughs) team and both teams like were just cheering him on and everybody was crying and, you know, he didn't score, but he shot at the basket. Um, (laughs) So just things that, you know, um, he loves sports. And so that's his thing. Like he could talk sports all day long and, you know, (laughs) I don't have a clue as to what he's talking about, but he does. And so um, just find their strength, just find what they love and just go with it, you know, and um, well, it sounds like he's blessed a lot of people, just his interactions on the basketball team. What an amazing experience, you know, and what a great experience for these kids to realize in high school when it's good to be cocky and proud and, you know, so self-centered that they can set that aside and cheer your son as he's playing basketball. I mean, that brings a tear to my eye. And that is the power of these kiddos. They can touch even the toughest teenagers, you know, interacting with them because they, they usually love very purely. They don't care what kids look like. 
you know? They just love so big. I mean, that's just, it's just, yeah, there's no boundaries. And that's just what, I mean, man, if I could just get that through to every parent that mm-hmm. is just going through this, or maybe they've just found out, like, if you could even just experience the love, like, that would be enough to be like, bring it on. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. You know, we got this because they do, they just love so big. Yeah. So cling to that hope that they are going to have moments where they're going to shine and, and, and think of that in your dark times, <laughs> right? Yep. 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 Awesome. Well, Jamie, I'm sure there's going to be people who have listened to you share your beautiful and amazing and inspiring story and are going to want to connect with you. How can they do that? Um, they can reach me via Facebook. Awesome. Um, and I don't know if you'll attach that link. It's Jamie. Uh, Cobb Middle Camp, or my email address um, is also available if somebody wants to reach out to me that way as well. So what we'll do is we'll put that in the show notes so people can reach out to you and if they have specific questions or if they yeah. just want to say, gosh, thanks, I needed to hear that today. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being willing to share this amazing journey that you have been on for the past 29 years and how it has changed you and helped you trust God a little bit better and how you have used your determination to help your son achieve his full potential. I think that is just awe-inspiring. Truly, truly, I do. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for reaching out to me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. I know that there are many of you out there that are going through a hard time and I hope you found things that have been useful today as you listen to the podcast. If you would like to access the show notes from today's podcast, visit my website. It is storiesofhopepodcast.com. That is where you'll find favorite quotes from today's episode and shareable memes. And those are fun because you can share them with your friends on social media. You will also find the links mentioned throughout today's episode so you don't have to remember what those were. And also all the tips that were shared. Sometimes tips are shared so much throughout an episode you forget. What were those great things? So go to the show notes, storiesofhopepodcast.com to look up these fantastic resources. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a tip that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this episode with them. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. Remember to walk with Christ and he will help bear that burden. Above all else, Remember, God loves you.